We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, folks, looks like it just happened, Brian. It did. It did. So, everybody, we can now let you know of the worst-kept secret now in college football. Kenny Minchie has decommitted from Pitt. He will visit Notre Dame this weekend. Let me publish that story here real quick, guys. Uh, This is a a big one. This is a four-star quarterback. This is a kid that ranks as the number 80 player in the country on the SI99 ranking. Um, and you guys know there were two people that were the primary drivers of that. It was myself and it was John Garcia. Uh, John Garcia loves Kenny Minchie because he saw him at the Elite 11 this summer. He mm-hmm. is a very, very talented player. Big time, big time, big time quarterback, fellas, for me. And yeah. you went from two weeks ago. Uh, we're thinking like, dude, I mean, I should say this. A week ago, we're wondering if Notre Dame's going to get a quarterback that that that's worth a darn to now you're getting Kenny Minchie and guys that's big that is a big big pickup will be a big pickup if things go through he's going to visit this weekend things have to go appropriately this weekend but the decision was made in mind of that Notre Dame is the school he is looking at so um go ahead Ryan because we'll get into kind of how this all came about yeah, because I only have a few minutes. Unfortunately, got to pick up the daughter today. But can I just say but you this got us here, buddy. You got yes. us here. Can I say this though? Kenny Minchie, Kenny Minchie, Kenny Minchie, Kenny Minchie, Kenny Minchie. Sorry, I've just been waiting like three hours yeah. now to say the name. <laughs> yes. It's been awful. Man. So, so yes. here, here's kind of how it all went down, guys. So obviously, this is a kid that that we like this summer. It's a kid that Notre Dame liked this summer. Somebody asked me last night. A buddy asked me what what. Um, uh, somebody who also knew what was going on asked me what what recruitment would I compare this to, because Notre Dame tried to make a run at Kenny Minchie this summer, and ultimately he said no. He stuck with his pit commitment, and I say you know the commitment it reminds me the most of is Drew Tranquil's, because deep in his heart Drew Tranquil always wanted to go to Notre Dame, but anyone that knows Drew Tranquil knows he's going to have a really hard time going back on his word, mm-hmm. and that's ultimately what Kenny's been struggling with is once Notre Dame got in the mix, that's where he wanted to go, but he's also a really honorable kid. 
Uh, he's a Notre Dame fan, big Notre Dame fan, family's a big Notre Dame fan. I talked to someone from Tennessee today. Talked to a good friend of mine, guy I've known for a long time, and he said part of this was the, the shoulder injury. So Kenny had a shoulder injury, nothing structural, just, you know, I, I, my understanding is just like really like kind of slightly separated, but it's okay. Yeah. Came back, played in a playoff game, played really well through four touchdown passes, nothing long-term, but that kind of was like, you know, this thing could be taken away from me at any moment. And the, the reality is there's a big difference academically between Pitt and Notre Dame, for being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it too was he's a Notre Dame fan and he watches their games. And I was told today that one of the things that really impacted him was he's sitting there thinking like, they got a great O-line. They got dudes at running back. Mm-hmm. They got talent receiver. And he's sitting there thinking like, if, you know, like I could really, like they need a quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm say you may not like that, but that's just, that was kind of the mentality is like, you know, I could really shine there. I could really thrive there. And what I was told by, I was told this yesterday, and, and I had it confirmed today, Kenny Minchie actually reached back out to Notre Dame first. And then Tommy Reese and Chad Bowden really started to, like, push because he had told them no. I mean, he had told them, no, I'm sticking here. And so they kind of had to move on to other guys. I mean, you know, there was some communication still happening, but it wasn't the same. He reached out and, and let them know through some different channels that he wanted to be at Notre that he really was interested in Notre Dame. And if they were still interested, and as soon as Notre Dame heard that he might have interest, it was like, you know, because like this is what it was like two weeks ago. It was like all these different directions of where are we going to go? They're looking into Jacoby Robinson. They're trying to flip Aaron Childs. They're looking at Aiden Gray. They're looking at Luke Dawson. And as soon as Kenny mentioned, he was like, hey, I'm interesting. It was all like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, boom, this is where we want to go. Uh, I'm told that Coach Reese loves him. I'm told that um, I'm told that uh, Coach Freeman loves him. Chad Bowden loves him. Like once Kenny expressed interest in Notre Dame, it was like there was a no brainer. This is where we're going, and this is what we got to try, try to make happen. Ryan, we got word um, last night yep. that he decommitted from Pitt last night, not from Notre Dame sources, but from some sources closer, you know, around the, the, the pit side of things, Ryan. So if you want to kind of share that one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it was it was funny because obviously Brian had caught in wind of, you know, everything kind of moving and circulating a few days ago. And then I had a conversation with a uh, with an individual source on the pit side of things that kind of had reached out to me and just said, like, hey, just a heads up. This is uh, it's probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen mm-hmm. that he had decommitted from from Pittsburgh. They expected him to go to Notre, like to take that next step to Notre Dame to start looking that way, take a visit, all that good stuff. They didn't know exactly when the decommitment would happen, a hundred percent. But he had notified them yesterday that the decomm- that he was decommitting from Pittsburgh because we know, especially Brian, with him potentially taking a visit now. He would have to be a uncommitted player in order to visit Notre Dame, right? Officially. So that is uh it's kind of it's kind of been moving fast. It's been moving really, really steadily here, but this was something that we were aware of, and we're we're excited to see kind of where the next step is with Kenny Minchie and Notre Dame. Look, let me tell you something, man. Um uh, John Garcia was there. Uh, my guy Malik was there. For the last two days of the Elite 11, he couldn't stop talking about Kenny Minchin. And he just kept telling me, like, though, he's the fit. He's the fit. Not mm-hmm. necessarily he's better than this guy. He's better than that guy. He's like, Kenny Minchin is the right fit for Notre Dame. And he stood by that. And it's just good to see what we tell people all the time, man. What you do on the field matters in recruiting. It was bad after Notre Dame started 0-2, but don't think what they've done recently has not mattered. Don't think that a kid that loves Notre Dame and his family loves Notre Dame, don't think the games have not been on in his home. What, What happens on the field matters so much in recruiting. Now, it's not to say kids watch one game and then all of a sudden just decide, like, oh, right. I'm going here, going going there. But in situations like this, with context that Brian has just given us, yo, it definitely played a part. And to see, look, Malika said this. He's like, yo, if you had a home that you were trying to sell to the quarterback position, what's better than Notre Dame right now? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. What? What? Whether it's transfer or recruiting. <laughs> what else do you want? Right. You got these two tackles, this offensive line, these running backs, Harry Heastan, wide receivers coming in, wide receivers that'll be there next year that's, that are going to be better. Like, what else What else could you want? Right. And yep. I, 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 I agree with him. And I guess Kenny Minchie has looked at the situation and yep. kind of agreed on top of the fact of the academics situation that you pointed out. Look, as as dire as everyone got about this class not having a quarterback. I'm, I'm and it was, bad. rightfully so. It I mean, was. rightfully yes, so, guys. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest about that. Like, yeah. Rightfully so. This, but a friend of mine, like, he only ever calls me when I'm doing a re- recording a freaking <laughs> show. I swear. It's like he waits till, oh, he's doing a show. Let me call. 
No, yeah. look, Sean, two weeks ago, it was right to be concerned. But yeah. you know, there was a reason like early last week we were like, hey, everybody, let's just chill out and let this quarterback thing play out because we had gotten wind that this was, was going to go in this direction. And so uh, rightfully so, Sean, that, that this is the way that, they, that it had to go because yeah. there were concerns, because you did miss on Dante and because – you know, you you tried to get Ken, Kenny to flip, but he wasn't willing to to do that because he wanted to honor his commitment, which is respectable. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you, right? I mean, that's just the reality yeah. of it. And and I and I know the pit people aren't happy and they're scrambling, but he's got to do what he's got to do. Um, so the other thing too, Sean, is I, I I was trying to get the story published when you were talking about Malik and him. Did you guys mention how the all the coaches there, like we heard this from Trent Dilfer? And other people like there was nobody better on the board. There was nobody better with the mental part of it than yeah. Kenny Minchie. Did yeah. you mention that during that? Yeah. Okay, that was exactly what Malik was talking about. Like, yeah, this yeah. full picture of what he was able to watch. I'm sorry, I like, didn't Yo. see that. I was I was trying to get the story published and tweeted out. So oh, I, I, I was sorry. It's, it's just that you know I wanted to make sure that I mentioned he was not saying he's the most talented out right. of all the guys here at Elite Eleven, but he talked about that right off the top. Like, look, he is the right fit. Like, right. this is a guy that Tommy can work. He's right. going to work with Tommy. He fits. So yes. let's let's so for those of you who may not know how high we are on him, I would encourage you to go back and watch the video that's on the YouTube channel. It's actually in the article that I just published that we just published at Irish Breakdown about his decommitment. I actually put the video that we did this summer under there and you can hear us praising Kenny Minchie. The interesting thing is Sean as a sophomore, I liked how he played, but I just didn't love his size and his arm. You know, like he didn't have a great arm. He wasn't real big. He grew about an inch to inch and a half as a junior and his arm got bigger. So then all of a sudden the playmaking that I liked as a sophomore started to really take off as he, as he grew into his body. But we broke him down this summer, Sean, and, and really like him. And here's what I like about him. He's an athletic kid, but he's a passing quarterback. Mm-hmm. He will use his legs when he needs to. He's a kid that you can run read zone with in the red zone, or if a team like Navy's blitzing hard off the edge, he can pull that sucker, get around and make a play. But he's a, yeah. he's a drop back quarterback yeah. who just happens to be athletic. You know what I mean? Not He's not a runner. He's not a dual threat guy. He is a passer who can also run, uh, but not a guy you're going to design a lot of runs for very sturdy, lower body. I, he, he can, the fit is this, Sean. Number one, he can sit in the pocket and rip you up. He can attack down the field. He throws over the middle of the field a lot more than you think from a lot of high school quarterbacks. He can also make plays off platform. He, you know, there's a throw he makes where he kind of sidearms it and he just throws it out over a linebacker. You don't even see a receiver out there. Like, where's he? Is he throwing his ball away? And all of a sudden, a receiver just kind of runs under the screen and underneath it. You remember that play on his junior year film? Yeah. And, um, you know, so, uh, so that's kind of that was kind of a thing. There is you kind of you like that part of it, and and you need that in this offense. You need that guy that can kind of play off script and change arm angles to get a pass out and do all those type of things. And and Tommy wants that kind of guy, but yeah. Tommy Reese needs a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. Now CJ Carr is an athletic kid that can make plays off script and can make plays out of pocket. And you can design runs to, but he's a pocket passer. Right. So you're now seeing Tommy Reese, because I've always wondered, like, you know, you kind of go some different uh, some different directions on different types of quarterbacks. What we're seeing in 23 and 24 
now with Minchie, and it would have been this way with Dante Moore, is is guys that are more consistent in their skill set. There's some differences, but they're passers that can move if you need them to. Yeah. And CJ is actually the more dynamic of all the three, of Dante, Kenny, and CJ. And this is why I liked Kenny more than Austin Novosad. Novosad might be higher ranked in like a top 100 type of list because he's you know tall or whatever. But I've always liked Kenny Minchie because he brings that element of he can make plays with his legs when you need him to. And I think that's so important, Sean, in college football, is yeah. to have a quarterback that can, can when, when things break down, can move around. And I think that's really, really important. And that's why this is a big pickup for me. He's ra- He's gone up the rankings and, and you know, he's a top 100 guy on SI99. He's a top one, 182 on ESPN, top 250-ish on On3 and 247. You know, so he's not going to blow you away with the rankings other than SI99. But this kid can flat out play. This yeah. kid can flat out play. Somebody just said something too. Kenny and Dante are closer to Bryce Young. That's, that's very accurate in style of play-wise. I mean, Bryce Young's is a different cat, but style of play-wise, yes, I would say that's accurate. Except Kenny's a lot thicker than Dante than than Dante and Bryce Young. But this kid fits, and 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 it's. I'm glad Malik pointed that out, Sean, because it's so true. You can, and we, it's what we were talking about earlier. You can be a talented kid and not fit the offense. And what we've come to find out is Tommy, I think, has had a hard time figuring out how do I use Tyler Buckner's unique skill set. He doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, because you know what else you can sell to a recruits right now if you're Tommy Reese? Hey, man, why don't you do me a favor? Go back to last year from about the USC game on and watch our offense and tell me you don't want to be a part of that. That's what I can do when I have a quarterback that can run my offense. Yeah. Now, we can be critical of, well, you know, you should have done this, this, or this, but that's a great selling point. Look mm-hmm. at the offensive line you're going to play behind. Look at the running back group that's there to protect you. Look at the receiver class we have coming in, and we're tied into you. What are we missing? Quarterbacks. And that's a great selling point. Yeah. Well, the offense this year is ugly, and they're still winning. And that's what Tommy's <laughs> going to say. Look at last year. Look what I did with Jack Cohn, an undrafted free agent. Look what I did with Jack Cohn the last six, seven games last year with an undrafted free agent. Look what we did to Oklahoma State's defense in the, in the Fiesta Bowl. We threw for over 500 yards. Don't think those things are just a, a, irrelevant because it's a new year. You know right. what I mean, Sean? So that's yeah. why quarterbacks are looking. Because of that, you know, it's, it's, they see it. I mean, yeah. they see it. And I think the one thing, and this is going to be quarterback speak because it's coming straight from Malik. Uh, he is someone that knows how to throw in the right situation and what to right. throw. Yeah. If he needs to add art, he can add it. If he needs to throw yeah. a liner in there to fit it in, he can do that. He's accurate on the long ball. He was like, dude, that's something that more, most like most of the time, Malik, according to Malik, most of the time, that's difficult to teach. Yeah. Guys usually just have it. It took Malik time to learn that because of yeah. the offense. He played in an option offense at, at, at mm-hmm. Kettering Alter. He yeah. had to learn some. I mean, Malik could throw a great deep ball with great touch. I mean, Malik and Deshaun threw two of the best deep balls I've ever seen because he threw that a lot in high school. But that – drag route that you got to get over top of a linebacker that's something Malik had to learn and it's hard to learn and and I think that's partly why me Malik appreciates that is because he does know how hard that is to teach a kid because he had to be taught that and now he has to teach that yeah so yes very natural feel for the position Sean and Mm -hmm. that's where Malik, Malik is getting at the kid just gets it in a lot of ways and when you have a kid Sean that can throw here 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 and here accurately 
And that's the modern quarterback, Sean. You know, like – and in Tommy's offense, a guy that can run when you need him to, but not yeah. a runner yeah. is also very important. Yeah, that's very why important. that come to Bryce Young is, is, is really good. Because Bryce Young moves to get an avenue to make a throw. Like, mm-hmm. it's very rare that he just takes off. He moves to get a pass off first, and then if he's forced to run, he's athletic enough to go ahead and yeah. do damage. Yeah. Well, and Malik, too, has seen him on film and in person, too. And in person, yep. That's the other thing. And 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 so having that double thing, it's all – It's I'm always – I want to see film first and in person second. And it, But if you can see both, I want to see both because that's where you can kind of – you can kind of get in the head's kid, a kid's head. You can challenge him a little bit. You can see how he yeah. handles. Because I think the first day was like super windy, and you can see like how does this kid throw? And I mean, you saw his hair just like him and Dante's hair is just like full, blowing all over the place because how windy it was. How does on this film, kid handle really, the elements? You almost couldn't tell them apart, right? On film until you saw the throwing motion. It was like okay, yeah. and the thick, yeah. thicker lower body. Kenny's thicker got a lower thicker body. lower body. Yeah. yeah, he's a very sturdy built kid. He really is. He really is. So there's a lot to like about this one, Sean. There's there I really agree. is. There's a lot to like about this kid's game. Um, and he's and, and to your point, he's a Notre Dame fit from everything we've heard. And that's what Malik yeah. was saying. And it's not the Notre Dame fit thing that when when you're talking to a former Notre Dame player, when he talks about fit, he's not just talking about fitting the offense. No. He's talking about fitting at Notre Dame, and he's also the home of you know, the last Notre Dame player to come to Notre Dame from Pope John Paul II? Would that be Golden Tate? That would be Mr. Golden Tate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And from what we've heard, the shoulder's going to be fine. It was nothing structural. Uh, it wasn't anything like that. Um, it wasn't that kind of issue, Sean. So, uh, hey, let's get back to some of these questions because some of these are going to be a little bit related to this. But uh, uh, I, I want to say this first, Sean. This is the this is the final. If if they can finish this off, because he has not committed to Notre Dame yet, right? He's going to visit Notre Dame this weekend. We think things are going to go well. If they're able to seal the deal, this is the great kind of final piece to this puzzle. This also helps you with landing Caleb Smith down the stretch too, because now he has a quarterback Absolutely. in this class. Absolutely. It also helps if there if there was any lingering doubt at all in any of the current offensive commits' minds. This helps because this is a kid they know. This isn't some like kid nobody's ever heard of that's that had great senior film, Sean. That that you're hoping can develop into a big time player like Jacoby Robinson, who I love Jacoby Robinson's upside. Right, but he's he's not a kid anybody really knows. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. uh, but this is a kid that's a known kid. He's a known commodity. He's a highly ranked kid. He's been at all the events. Uh, and and it's gonna it's gonna be impactful. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Let me just say this to kind of double down on what you talked about about the family connection. Um, when Malik got back from the Elite Eleven, he did a breakdown, a film breakdown on Lucky Lefty, and the first person to retweet it was Kenny Menchie's mom. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, at that point in time, I was like, yo, they might have a chance to flip him. But you talk about the standard that Kenny Minchie operates by. It, it held Notre Dame off initially, but right, he, he just couldn't. He couldn't resist what he really wanted to do in his heart. Right, right, and and it says a lot. It says a lot yeah. about the kid. You know, yeah. it really does. It really does that he does have a hard time with this. 
But that's going to be uh, – and, and, you know, people talk about, like, you know, Tommy Reese developing quarterbacks and all that. I, I think Tommy Reese is an, as a young quarterbacks coach. I, I think Tommy Reese is a better coordinator right now than he is a quarterbacks coach. Yeah. But what I think we have seen was if he can get a kid that fits his style, he's be- he can develop that kid better. You know, like I think he got the most out of Ian Book. I do. Agreed. And we saw what Jack Cohn did at the second half of last year. Now, Jack was developed in the technical ways by somebody else, but Jack was not a shotgun quarterback. Tommy Reese turned him into a shotgun quarterback. Jack was an under center, play action pass, throw it 20 times a game quarterback. He wasn't a throw for 500 yards against a number 12 pass defense in the country quarterback. You know what I mean, Sean? And so uh, this kid fits what he does. And that's important too, Sean. You got to find a kid that fits what the coach is good at coaching. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's true for, I mean, Harry Heastan's going to, it's the reason Harry Heastan picks certain kids because he wants kids that's going to fit his coaching style. Right. That's really, that's really important. It's really important, man. Really important. It's a big pickup, man. I, and there's a lot of consensus too, right? Like Malik loves them. You love them. I love them. I mean, when I called Sean last night, told him the news. <laughs> I went crazy. Uh, look, look, Ivy Nation, I went crazy. So you're well within your rights to be going crazy right now. I, you know why, Brian? It I would have been happy if this had taken place a month ago. Yeah. But like you pointed out, things had gotten to a point with the quarterback situation where it was like, come on, man. Like, I don't yeah. know. Are we really going to sign this? historical class without a quarterback right and the fact that the young man is the one that initiated yeah the communication once again and they did the work once it happened i mean like yeah. i don't want to i don't want to take i don't want to take away from from tommy and chad and the work the staff did i mean the kid told them no yeah and they they had kept in contact and they kept the channels going but it was more like the same way they are with jackson arnold you know like yeah. hey good luck this weekend it wasn't like the push because the kid had said, no, I'm not right. flipping. Right. And um, cause like they have, they have their, so I'll reveal this. Uh, there was some conversations going on with Austin Novosad's. There was some contact there cause he's potentially thinking about some things. There's other quarterbacks that have expressed interest recently. And this is the kid they zeroed in on for a reason. Yeah. And what I was told, everybody was on board with it. That's the one thing I was told, and that's important. It couldn't have been a thing where Tommy Reese wanted this guy and Chad wanted this guy and Marcus Freeman wanted this guy. That's where you kind of get in some hairy situations. Once Kenny, it was it was realized that Kenny was open for business, it was everybody's like, okay, that's our guy. You know what I mean, Sean? And that's yeah. so important. Yeah. So important uh, for a, for an evolving staff. And so great work to get the job done. Uh, with the staff, great job um, of, and really too, like they they deserve a ton of credit too for being able to put this class together without a quarterback. Because I'll, I'll say this, Sean. Speaking of of Kenny Minchie, I'm pretty sure we said this this summer. Mm-hmm. If you'd have lost on Dante when they did, got CJ, and then a month later landed Kenny Minchie, I'd have no issues about quarterback recruiting in Notre Dame. None. Yeah. I'd have been fine. Like, yeah, you didn't get your guy, but it had been a lot like what we talked about with the Will Shipley. You missed out on Will Shipley, but who'd you end up with? Logan Diggs and Audrick Estime. You didn't get your number one guy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Kenny Menchie's better than Dante Moore as a prospect. Dante Moore was my number one quarterback coming into this year, right? I haven't seen a lot of his senior film. What I have is not impressive. Uh, 
Kenny's had the shoulder. But what I'm saying to you is it's not always about getting the number one guy. It's about getting a dude you can go compete for championships with. And Dante wasn't the only guy you can do that with. You So, yes, you didn't get your, your guy, but you got a kid you like a lot. Because here's the deal. At a position like quarterback, you can only have one. At some point in time, you got to say, hey, we got we got to figure out who the one we're going to go for is. And they went for Dante, and they didn't get him. And so, okay, what do you do next? Well, this is what you do, right? I mean, Alabama brought Tua Tungvaloa and Mac Jones, Mac Jones into the same class, and guess who? Which one won a title? And guess one? Guess which one didn't as a starter? Yeah. Yeah. I know Tua came off the bench in seventeen, but Tua never won a title as a starter. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen, they didn't win one. Mac Jones. The point is, Tua was the guy in that class, but they also liked Mac Jones. Yeah, and they were able to have a lot of success with Tua and even more success in the one year Mac Jones. And that's what quarterback recruiting is supposed to be about. And so this is the first time, in my opinion, since the 14 and 15 classes that Notre Dame has landed back-to-back big-time quarterbacks, in my opinion. And that was Deshaun and Brandon. It was really, if you want to get technical, it was really back to back to back to back to back. Really good. It really was. Yeah. With the highest ranked guy of those being the guy that would be least on my list. You had Evan 2011. Yeah. You had uh, Gunner Keel in 2012, who would be fifth on my list of the five. You got Malik in 13, Deshaun in 14, and Brandon yeah. in 15. And, yeah. and, and Ian Book was not the prospect those guys were, but they got him in 16. Yep. And then it was Avery Davis and then Phil Dracovic and then Cade McNamara and Brendan Clark. And then, you know, then you get Drew Pine and then Tyler Buckner, big time, and then Angeli. It's just been a bit of a roller coaster since Wimbush. Yeah. Now you've got two years in a row, in my opinion, that you're getting really good football players. Like, can Notre Dame win a championship with CJ Carr? Heck yes. Can Notre Dame win a championship if they can develop Kenny Minchie? Heck yes. And that's the key, Sean. What if CJ gets hurt? What if he doesn't pan out? Well, now you've got two really good players. Right. Well, what if Kenny Minchie gets hurt or doesn't pan out? Well, you got CJ Carr. I mean, that's why it's important to land two guys in a row. And so I'm I'm for Notre Dame, I think this is big, Sean. This is big. And and I know how happy you were last night. It was hilarious. Sean started singing gospel songs last night on the phone with me last night. <laughs> he started literally praising Jesus when we were on the phone last night talking about this kid what this kid was about to do. was hilarious. And I'm not joking, am I, Sean? I'm no, not, not at all. Joking. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can I just – so for those that might feel like, oh, okay, I was hoping it was Dante Moore. I was hoping it was this guy. He's not a five-star. Look, man, he's an Elite 11 finalist. That means he's one of the best 11 quarterbacks that was invited to compete out in California, right? Mm -hmm. Just to give you a sense of that, the 2020 Elite 11 finalists, Tyler Buckner, Demetrius Davis, J.J. McCarthy, Drake May, Cal McCord, Miller Moss, Caden Salter, Caleb Williams. That's just that. that, So three names in that list. That lets you know the company that he stands in as a signal caller and how respected he is by those that evaluate the position. Yes. So yeah. he, he's a finalist. He, he's a dude. Yeah. 
He's a dude. I don't care how he ranks in connection with others. I think Caleb Williams was not ranked as high as most of those guys on that list going into the Elite 11. But he's a he's a pretty good player right now. Right. So, Sean, let's talk about this part of it, too. The big concern coming in into this month of recruiting was this is one of the deepest quarterback classes I've seen. Like, in my years of following recruiting, like absolutely one of the yeah. deepest. I don't know if there's like a – there's no Trevor Lawrence in this class, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like Arch isn't that. Nico's not that. Malachi's yeah. not that. Dante's not that. It's just the depth of really good quarterbacks. And you're sitting here in a situation where you're not going to get one. Right. And that was a problem. And they've – but but they did. They're getting it. And that's the thing is they're getting that guy now. This is one of the kids that is on the preferred list of, yeah, okay, you can do some stuff with that kid, right? You, you get yeah. outside the top 10 to 15 and you're like, okay, good players, but, you know, Kenny Minchie's in the top 10 to 15 list in my opinion. Yeah. And, boy, this is a, a big, big one for Notre Dame, Sean. Big one for Notre Dame. Look, you talked about it. It's about stacking that quarterback one. Right. Now you have Minshew, CJ, the Tech. You still have Bryce J. Underwood that you're looking at at 25 mm-hmm. and other guys on the board. So that they brought in, heck, they, they brought in uh, was Dia Bell for 26 mm-hmm. for the Clemson game. Right. That's, that's the change that needs to happen. I, look, I say this all the time because we can sit here and talk X's and O's and analyze. Tommy Reese knows what needs to be done. He he knows. He knows what needs to be what needs to change in that quarterback room. He knows. And he knows that it will become easier and better for him if he gets it right. As far as getting the right guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows. So it impacts him. You know, a lot of people act like, oh, Tommy Reese doesn't. He wants to get it right. <laughs> Tommy Reese wants to get it right. He wants to have an offense that puts up 40 a game. He right. definitely wants that. Well, and this is a kid that can can do it within the system that Tommy wants to run. And Marcus, yeah. Coach Freeman, wants to run as well. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, you can be a, a running team and things along those lines as well. But, yeah, um, It just, you just could, Sean. You just couldn't. You couldn't come out of this class without a top quarterback. You just couldn't. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. I mean, it would have been such a. It would have just dragged everything else about this class down. You know, like, hey, you got the best running back room in the country, arguably. You've got well, second best running back class in the country, or third. Yeah, it's in that conversation, right? You've got a best receiver class in the country at worst second best right you got the best offensive line class in the country at worst second or third best right like you're in that conversation really good defensive class but you don't have anybody throw them the ball i mean you just you can't you can't win that way and so um that's what makes this one very important is to be able to go out and get a kid like this is important but you just couldn't you just couldn't afford to go into this situation, guys, and and not get a quarterback in this class. Yeah. You just and, and on top of the fact that you missed out on your top guys from last year, you could not afford to do it both years. And you got a solid kid last year 
And now you got a kid that's got a little bit more of a playmaker. And and then next year you've got one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the entire country next year. And so, I mean, it's getting back on track. We can people can hate on Tom Reese all they want, and and I get it. And there's some there's some reasons to be frustrated. But look, the reality is, is there end of the day when come signing day, I believe, I believe they're going to be in a position where they're going to get a darn good quarterback. Again, there's there's finishing to be done, right? So just so people understand that maybe you're just joining the show, there has not been a commitment to Notre Dame. Kenny Minchie did not commit to Notre Dame. The, there is a visit that is coming up this weekend that's going to be very important. What we do know, however, is that the decommitment happened with the thought that this was going to be the next move is as long as things go well, he wasn't making this move to reopen his commitment. The the, the understanding is he's doing this to potentially, you know, kind of have, have this is where Notre Dame is going to be. And, and we're saying that knowing that we were, we were, we've been told we're allowed to kind of draw those dots. That's right. the reason we're talking about it, even though he hasn't committed. So, you know, it's not that we're taking the kid's moment. This is kind of what we've been kind of given the okay to discuss. So, Sean, they got a, got their quarterback. We got Yo, the quarterback. We were wondering. We look, we didn't know who it was going to be, but we felt like that they would get somebody. At least I I'm did. not gonna lie, I was getting nervous. I was were getting you? nervous. Yeah. Because like who, who who would it have been to? Okay, I want to hear this. this no, no. I give credit to uh our guy over at CFB Nation. Once again, go to CFB Nation, great content, lucky lucky podcast. Uh, John Garcia, who is the recruiting guru, tons of great content, college football, CFB Nation. Go Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Go subscribe right now. Also on Spotify. He put out two videos last week about this being the perfect season. And he predicted that up to eight quarterbacks would switch. Hmm. And I said, wow. Now he only specifically talked about three in this particular video, but he predicted, if I'm not mistaken, he said six to eight quarterbacks more than likely will flip. I said, wow. You know, and I didn't know that this was happening you know, behind the scenes that he had reached out to Tom Reese in Notre Dame. But it just goes to show you the volatility of the quarterback position, which he points out, like, yo, this is just one of those classes. You talked about how great this quarterback class was and how much of a shame it would have been for Notre Dame not to end up with a quarterback with one of the classes that is pretty plentiful with pretty good quarterbacks. Even if you don't get one of the top guys, there are some guys that are still pretty good that you can get. And to get a guy that's not so much a prospect as the ones that we thought we were trending to, it's, man, it's the best. After that Dante decommit, de- mm-hmm. it's a heck of a and Dante decommits mm-hmm. and you lose out on Austin Novosad, this is, man, this is a great recovery. Which also the Novosad thing was – they were kind of 1A, 1B. They liked both of them. Some people yeah. like Minchie more. Some people like Novasad more at the time. The Novasad reason he got more of the push is because he was more open at the time to yeah. flipping than Kenny was. 
So it wasn't so much that they liked Novasad over Kenny Minchie. It was that it was more likely that Penny that Novasad was willing to be movable from Baylor. He was open. He was very open about the potential of not. He recommitted yeah. to Baylor. There was no recommitment from Kenny Minchie. There was only one school he was going to look at. Yeah. That's it. And it's the one he's, you know, going to visit this weekend. So it's so, uh, it's a different it's a different animal. So basically, what you're saying because some people might panic. Look, he did not open it up for this to just be, right. you know, let me go check out a bunch of schools. Right. But no one should commit. No one should buy a home without going to see it. Right. And it's the same thing. Him and his parents right. are doing what they have to do. This has to be done. Yeah. Right. And I, I doubt. <laughs> I, I look knowing the track record of Chad Bowden this year. I, I'm pretty much sold that the weekend is going to be a pretty good weekend for the Minchies. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty yeah. much sold on that. Yeah, I mean that's what they're coming for, yeah. right? I mean that's what they're coming for. Say, well, what if he comes and they have a bad performance on offense? I promise you, he's seen every bad performance on offense Man. he had this year. He's seen he the Marshall game has been on in his house. The Stanford, the Stanford game second half of Navy. Absolutely. <laughs> so if he's showing up after that, yeah, that's not the deciding factor. Yeah. Somebody said that I hear Saturday that Notre Dame now has the record among FBS teams for most blocked punts in the season. No. Notre Dame, uh, I saw someone uh, from Notre Dame responded to Tim Priester about this. Because Tim mm. was asking about this. Because none of us, Tim, Tim and I have joked before. Like we'll we'll ask each other questions. Like, hey, do you know this? And like, we don't know the answer. And it's like, man, just another example of why we miss Lou so much because right. we would have known. <laughs> but uh, they had eleven once uh, back in the seventies. Uh, wow. Eleven kicks. I don't know if it's seven punts, but it was eleven kicks, like total kicks. So I don't know how many of those punts or field goals or whatever. But, um, Sean, I want to. I, I want to get to some questions here. So as we kind of work through these questions to, to get through this, but we dra we dragged it on as long as we could, hoping that he would say, this is what I wanted, Sean. His, I want to read his statement because there was nothing in there. Listen to what's lacking in the statement. I'll, I'm going to read the statement, Sean, and you tell me what's missing. Mm -hmm. I want to thank coach, coach Narduzzi, coach Signetti, coach DiBiase, uh, DiBiaso, and the rest of the coaches have at Pitt for believing in me and providing me with an opportunity to play college football. After prayer and conversations with my family, I've decided to decommit from the University of Pittsburgh. Thank you to everyone who's helped me and supported me through this hard decision. There's nothing. What's missing, Sean? You just what talked most, about it. What most people say, I'm reopening my. Bingo. It's not in there. No, it's not in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in there. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how this one goes. Yeah. So the next, uh, let's get to these questions, Sean. So we have one let's from let it. manager one IB is about to have its first. Oh, and another thing episode again, <laughs> I want to, I want to hold off. I did not hear Ryan going off on, uh, the news being broken, but again, I want to hold off on that because we don't know if, that person was given the okay to talk publicly about it, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the overall thing of this is what they do, but we, we without knowing if he was given the okay to do that, I want to hold off on being critical of that person. I understand Ryan's frustration because we've been dealing with this a lot this year. And 
nine times out of 10 that people are not given permission to do that. But um, I don't care much for the person who broke, who broke it. But I also know that that person, it's not a normal thing for him to do that. So part of me wonders if there was a, an okay given, like how let you break it and then yeah. I'll release it later. We've had that happen before with us where someone says, yeah, you guys put it out first and then we'll, you know, follow it up. So I just want to hold off on that a little bit. It doesn't change the overall issue that I have with the national net, the national services, but in this, but every case is an individual case, Sean, every, every case is different. Yeah. And that, that'd be my only thing, but I understand this, where Ryan's coming from. This feels so good to see all the recruits reaching out to him, retweeting mm-hmm. this. Oh man, this is one of those days. That makes it all yeah. worth it. Man. Like this is a grind. Yes, People understand this is a grind every day that yeah. we do. Just not only doing shows, but just reaching out, talking to kids, gathering information. And it's days like this that makes it well worth yep. the grind. You know, I can't wait yep. for December twenty first. I can't no wait. doubt. I can't wait. Got another super chat from John Gallagher. Uh, John says thoughts on rotating army and Navy. I um, am okay rotating army, but I'm not rotating Navy. Navy is a unique animal. It's not so much that they're just playing a service Academy. They're playing the service Academy. That was the driving force behind Notre Dame, even staying open as an institution and and Notre Dame even existing as an entity. So um, I mean, Sean, it's kind of like this, like at what point in time do you stop thanking someone for saving your life you know like okay i've thanked you 45 times enough is enough you know you'd always be dead you know what i mean like it's one of those things like you know i uh you know there's a a a very important death in my life uh that uh has brought salvation to me and i don't say okay well I, i said thanks once uh so now i'm moving on right no that death was a permanent thing. The the after effects of that was a permanent thing. I think some people know what I'm talking about there, right? You don't, yeah. you'll say, well, I've, I've thanked you enough. Appreciate you moving on now, you know? Uh, and that's kind of what Navy did for Notre Dame. And that, that just, that can't be dismissed because we don't like the triple option, you know, just for me, it's, it's not, but I know other people have different opinions on that. Like I said, some things are bigger than football, man. Navy. Yeah. I hope people aren't trying to say Navy hurts the strength of schedule. Not many people say that. I think most people say it just it doesn't help, but it's just the, the a lot of people just don't like the triple option. Look, as long as we yeah. stay healthy in these games, um, I'm, you understand that if you understand the history, then you wouldn't. Then that's yeah. it's really enough to understand yeah. why. Sean Kennedy with a super chat. Thank you, Sean. You guys are the best. Thank you for all you do. Go Irish. You are very welcome, Sean. We appreciate you. And thank you for your super chat very much. David Carpenter, the super chat. Thank you very much, David. Donating to the bonus pool in honors of an honor of Narduzzi's head exploding. That is a great, great super chat, David. Very well done. Very, very now, you well know, done. That is so important. I was telling Brian, you know, he was, he had kind of hinted to me like a week ago that something was bubbling. Mm-hmm. And then we finally, he told me last night, but I was reading a story from a Pittsburgh newspaper last week. And it was talking about how locked in 
Kenny Lynch he was and that he was an early enrollee. That's another great thing about this. He's an early enrollee if he commits to Notre Dame. And I was like, then you hit me last night. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought he was, <laughs> I thought they said he was locked in. So that's just how quick everything is kind of absolutely. I've been trying to hide it the whole show, but now it's like, this is what he is, Sean, in my opinion. He is. He is. But yes, it kind of, kind of came up because that's, it was funny as you'd see people commenting on the board and on and, and stuff were like, well, it's not Kenny Minchie because he's locked in a pit. You know, I mean, I can't tell you times I've seen that bit. Like, well, it's not him. And I'm like, right. I don't know. I know nothing. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still like the Narduzzi. I'm not a big Pat Narduzzi yes. fan. That's the best. JP Buellsfeld, why no Air Force on the schedule since 2011? They have played them. I thought they played them in 13. Yeah, they played them in 13. 13, yeah. Because Will Fuller caught a long touchdown pass. But the point stands. uh, You know, I I don't know. They just don't have the history with Air Force that they have with Army and Navy. But that was right around the time the ACC. Right, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's a good point, Sean. You don't have as many yeah. games to work with. Mm-hmm. You can't use all your open games for service academies. Right. And the other thing, too, is um, Air Force is in a conference, has, has been for a long time. They mm-hmm. have fewer non-conferences to work with, too. Yeah. And so, uh, whereas Army's been an independent for a long time, they've been like in and out of different leagues, but they've mostly independent. Navy's been an independent up until recently, but that series isn't going anywhere. Air Force doesn't have the same history with Notre Dame, so there's not the need to force Notre Dame onto the schedule and vice versa. Right. Because I, I don't think Navy hurts Notre Dame's strength of schedule. I mean, as we've said, there's twice in Brian Kelly's tenure since 2015 that Navy was the best win he had from a you know who you you know ranking standpoint. So um some years it hurts, but you know, some years USC's hurt your strength of schedule. Some years Stanford's hurt your strength of schedule. You know, yeah. Heck, last year Florida State hurt their strength of schedule. So it just varies year to year. But uh, I just JP, I just think it's the lack of history, honestly. Uh, because remember, now Notre Dame and Army used to play each other a decent amount. They had some historic battles um, back in the four. I mean, what the uh, wasn't the win one for the Gipper game? Wasn't that against Army? Just win one, just one for the Gipper. Mm, I think that was against Army. Uh, But if you go to if you go to uh, this Winsipedia, which is one of my favorite sites, Notre Dame has played Army fifty. See, that's forty-seven, fifty-one times. We obviously know how many times they've played Navy. It's a bunch. It's uh, ninety-three, ninety-five actually, because the two canceled games. It was against the Army. That's what I thought. And Notre Dame's only played Air Force 29 times, so it's a lot less. Now, they've played Air Force a bunch, but compared to the other two service academies, it's not it's not in the same thing. And, you know, they, they had a bunch of games that were kind of played in a period. So from, like, 72 is when they first started playing annually. Yeah. And they played every year up until 92. They didn't play in 92 and 93. Then they played 94, 95, 96, uh, and then 2002, 6, 7, 11, and 13. So you had some history there, but 
you know what what changed what changed around 1991, Sean? That was different. It's that's when conference expansion started happening the first time. Yeah. yeah. From like 90 to 93, 94 is when teams started kind of having their their um, you know their 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 conference expansions and things like that. And I'm trying to see what year it was that Air Force joined the conference they're in. Yeah. Uh, they joined. Let's see. They were an independent till 1980. They were in the WAC from 80 to 98. And so then they joined. Uh, so they've been in a conference quite a while, but the WAC was a little bit different um, than the others. So, but yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. Let's get to some more questions here, Sean. Let's work through these so we can get rolling. I do want to get these questions. How many current Notre Dame 2023 recruits can jump to five star status? Five star status, Sean, for not upside grade, just ranking to me, there's really only two for sure. For me, it's Peyton Bowen and Charles Jagasaw. I don't think anybody else is like, there's a lot of top fit. Drake Bowen's a top 50 guy for me. Jaden Osbury's a top 50 guy for me. Uh, Braylon James is a borderline top 50 guy for me when you include his upside as part of it. Um, right. You know, there's a lot of top 50 to 100 guys, but. I don't know if I would go beyond two for five-star now. Now, there's a lot of five-star upside grades, which we do, but not a lot of guys that are there now. Jagasaw wasn't even for me until his senior season. His his senior film jumped him into five-star status for me. And so did Peyton Bowens because he was four-and-a-half-star coming into the season, and he he quickly and easily jumped into five-star. I can't wait for you. You know how you rank the Mm -hmm. class. I, this is gonna this is gonna be one of your toughest. It's gonna ranks. be tough. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, yeah. And I'm about to explain to people like, look, this kid ranks tenth on the offensive side of the ball, but this kid's really freaking good because right. it's just how good this offensive class is. Right. So yes, it's uh, who boy, and and no, I I've never had Brendan Vernon as a five star. I like Brendan Vernon quite a bit, but I I don't I never thought he was a five star. He's good, right. but not a five star. And Rivals was I think the only one that had him as as, as that. So next question, Sean, we did have another, a couple more super chats down here uh, from mm-hmm. Detroit Hunter. Thanks for staying patient with all of our BS. It's all good, man. That's what we're here for. Right. So uh, we understand people wanted to know, man. And we thought it was going to be at two and it ended up not coming for like two hours. So yeah. when you consider uh, the patience you needed, I actually think people for the most part were pretty good about it, you know, yeah. um, for yeah. the most part. J.P. Buellsfeld falls up. Do you agree that Notre Dame versus Air Force 2000, Glenn Earl blocks the 25-yard field goal, and then Joey Getherall scores winning TD in overtime was a great one? Yeah, didn't he score on a reverse, if I remember correctly? Didn't he score uh, Joey oh. Getherall? I think I think that was a reverse. Like they ran like a like an option-looking play, and then he yeah, ran he back. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's um I think that's what I'm I think that's kind of how that game went down. So. I'm going to look up the highlights right now. So, yeah, it's 28-28, and Glenn Earl uh, blocks a kick. I'm watching it now. Is that is that Tony Driver running right down the middle? So, Glenn Earl blocks it. We go to overtime, and Navy kicks a field – kicks a – no, that, that they're still on the block. Let's get to overtime. Yeah, I was right. They ran they ran speed option and then ran a reverse to Joey Gatherall, and then he ran it into the end zone for a touchdown to, to, to win it. So, yeah. Their name won 34-31. I remember that game, Sean. And so, yeah, that was a heck of a game. But I guess it wasn't necessarily – I wouldn't call it great because it's kind of like, why are you struggling to beat Air Force? Why do you need overtime to beat Air Force? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Let's get to some next ones. And thank you, JP. Thank you very much for the super chat, buddy. We appreciate you. Coach Coach Vic asks, uh, are we recruiting Bryce Underwood? They are, but I also think they know that that's going to be a tough uphill battle. And so there's a lot of other kids on the board too, Sean. It's going to be tough getting him out of out of Michigan, from what I've been told, and then definitely get him to Notre Dame. So, yeah. Here's one for you, Sean, from Jay Henry. Are we still in the Justin Scott battle? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a battle. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. That's the frustration. But yes. <laughs> Yep. 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 Uh, let's see here from Milton fan 15. Oh, does Braden Lindsay seem like a new player this year? I thought that before the Navy game chance since I thought that before Navy game since Chancey took over. Yeah. And that's the disappointing thing about how no, some Notre Dame fans have treated him this year because of a drop one drop against Marshall is mm-hmm. you have no clue how good that kid's production would have been this year with better quarterback play. It would have been nuts. Sean, he's a thousand yard, and I didn't think he was capable of this. He plays so much more than I thought he was capable of playing, like just for volume wise. Mm-hmm. And he is open. He should have at least, at least five 50 yard touchdowns this year. Not all, and I'm not even talking hypothetically. Okay, yeah, I can agree I'm not with even that. talking hypothetically, like, okay, if they would have called this play. I'm just talking about plays that they have ran that we have seen him open. That if they simply block or throw are touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. Ohio State and Marshall are two, the first two that pop in my head. Right. You know, um, he'd have had a 30, his 38-yard touchdown this week ended up working out, but like it should have been, it should have been an over-the-shoulder dropping five yards past the guy touchdown. Right. Easy. Right. I mean, he's open so much on and it's just it's frustrating because and then Notre Dame fans, oh, he sucks. And it's just like you know, and then what's funny is I, I've had people who are very hard on Braden Lindsay, and then they'll go to a game and then come back and hit me up and DM like, hey, man, you know, I see what you're talking about, Braden Lindsay. That dude's open all the time. <laughs> yep. You know, like, yep, he is. He is. But yeah, he's a, he's a good football player. And yeah, I think having Coach Stuckey has helped, and, and Coach yeah. Freeman has helped. I think that's helped as well. And, and kudos to Braden for staying locked in all year when he wasn't getting the ball because other kids wouldn't have been as focused to be able to make the catch. They'd have been, they'd have tuned out. Loren, look, look at Lorenzo styles attitude, not getting the Man. ball compared to Braden Lindsay's Lorenzo styles getting the football a whole lot more than Braden Lindsay, you know, and Bray, if anybody should be mad, Braden Lindsay is like, dude, this is my last year. You get right. more crap at this. I'm done after this year, most likely. And he's been great, you know, and just, I would like to see him get rewarded the last two games with a little bit more production. Laker Irish, what is tight end looking like in the future, both players-wise on the roster and recruiting? Well, player-wise, Sean, I think they're in pretty good shape. You've got Mitchell Evans as a sophomore. You've got the freshman. You've got Kane Barong, and we'll see if, you know, we'll see what Kane what the future holds for Kane. Uh, but in the freshman class, you've got Holden Stace, who's going to be a really good one. Eli Raritan is going to be a good one as long as his knees hold up. You've got Cooper Flanagan, who's a four-star, borderline, like top 150 kind of kid. And then you got Jack Larson committed in the 24 class. And then they recently offered a kid in the 24 class named Carter Nelson. Sean, have you seen this kid? Have you seen Carter Nelson? I have not. He is a he is a 2024. You're gonna love this one, Sean. 
He's a 2024 quarterback, for, a tight end from Nebraska. He plays eight man football. I'm after we're oh. done. I'm going to send you some Twitter links of him, Sean, taking a basketball, jumping, catching a basketball, and windmilling it for a dunk in a game. Oh. What's in a his game. He's like 6'4", 205. He missed a dunk in a game where he tried to go. He tried to Vince Carter go between his legs. He just lost it late in a game. Kid's got sick athleticism, but he plays in this little tiny school, eight-man football. Notre Dame just offered him recently. I think they'd like to put him and Jack Larson in a class together. So that's one position, Laker Irish, that you don't have to worry about. Barring everybody working hard and, and health being somewhat good, there, there's no Michael Mayer on the roster right now, but they're yeah. going to be just fine. They're yeah. going to be just fine. Mike Zimmerman said, can we all have Virginia in, in our prayers and families and friends? Uh, absolutely, Mike. That is a, a, an absolutely horrific, horrific situation. And um, just almost like Sean, even hard to just even like contemplate. Yeah, you know, it, was, just, it was kind of hard to discuss earlier. And, and I don't care. It's one of those things that you know you have to discuss because of what we do. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's devastating. Like yeah. my heart really goes out to anyone connected to that program, the school, mm-hmm. the players that unfortunately lost their lives. It's yeah. Even even the even the young man that was in the the mental space he was in. Yeah. To commit the crime, my my heart goes out to him as yeah. well. Can't imagine. I mean, well, I mean, I, I've had a, my, I had my best friend lost his life to gun violence, and it is a um, painful thing to deal with. And I, and, and that's just my best friend. I couldn't imagine, you know, a parent with a son with so much in front of them having to deal with that. It's just incredibly tragic. Um, you know, I, I won't say anything else about it in regard to because I just want to see, you know, what happened, why, what's the circumstances before I comment on anything further. But it's just unnecessary and sad and tragic and yeah. just uh, we have way too much of that, you know. Yeah. And without addressing what I believe are, are, are the real root causes of why this happened so much, yeah, uh, which isn't what some people say it is. You know, it's yeah, we'll get into that. But uh, well, and then at first it was this. They thought it was one football player, and then two other students yeah. who haven't been named. And then eventually they named all three of them. And they were all football players. And the kid who did the shooting was a former football player. Former football player. Yeah. So just yeah, very tragic. Very tragic. Uh, Ian Johnston, mailbag. Rank these offenses: Iowa, Miami, Texas A and M. Oh gosh, Miami one, A and M two, Iowa three. Or would you put Iowa two? Because Iowa's offense is playing better lately. Wouldn't you agree compared to the you know the other trash? Well, you know what? I wouldn't have a problem with putting Iowa one, okay. just from the other schools are trying to find their way. Sure. Right. I think Iowa they'll have some down years, but pretty consistent. You know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to produce produce really good tight ends. Mm-hmm. And good running backs and good offensive linemen. So that I was just looking at it from this year is the way I was yeah. looking at the question. Yeah, it's just this year. But you're right; they have recovered. Yeah, I mean, 33, 24, and twenty four in their last three games, and and you know they won them all, and they've yet to 
you know what? I take it back. They had 146 yards of offense in their win over Wisconsin. I take it back. They almost got the 400 against Wisconsin, though, 398. But, yeah, they were going better. They had six six 6.5 yards per per play against Purdue, and then they go out and play Wisconsin. Yeah, 52 rushing yards, 94 passing yards, and one. Oh, my gosh. How many turnovers did Wisconsin have in that game? I didn't watch that game. Did they just turn the ball over a bunch? I didn't watch the game. Is that what happened? Yeah, three turnovers. They had three turnovers in that game. That's bad. And it's already rumors of uh, their running back, Braylon Allen, being in the transfer portal. Yeah, and he pushed back on that a little bit um, in an article I saw. But it was an example of he's like, the guy that reported that, I've never talked to that guy. He's never talked to me or anybody that I know. Yeah. And that's the thing that pisses me off about a lot of this speculation of names because it's like, how about we let the kids actually jump in the portal first? All right, Sean, this next question from Isles ND. With how good Jagasaw senior tape is, could we he play left tackle, and where would you rank him amongst other tackle prospects? Sean, I know you guys addressed this during the previous part, which is that yeah. not, we didn't think he was a left tackle coming into the year, but there's yeah. no doubt he's got left tackle tools coming, coming out of the senior season. Absolutely. So let's just kind of focus on the second part. So, yes, we do think he can play left tackle now. The second part, how would you rank him among the top, other top tackles? He is without question one of the five best tackles in the high in the 2023 class. Yep. And I think that was arguable even before his senior season, just from an upside standpoint alone, Sean. And now he started to tap into that. And look, he's a better prospect coming out of high school than Joe Alt was because Joe Alt was just so raw. I mean, you know, um, I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd put him quite on the same level as Blake Fisher. Maybe why well, I say this, he he Blake has more upside. I'd say Charles is a little bit. Um, uh, so I, I'm trying to think. I'm back and forth on that one because Blake was pretty darn good. Yeah, uh, but. I say Charles is a little bit more – Blake had a little bit more, let's see how he grows into that body kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Where Charles is already kind of like, that dude looks like he's a college junior now. There you go. Yeah. Blake Blake had to work – this is some. I don't think people appreciate how hard Blake Fisher worked between his senior year of high school and freshman year of college. Right? And the improvement he made, not just as a player, Sean, but just with his body. Yeah. Like – Yeah. You don't see a lot of big kids like him putting in that kind of work to reshape their bodies before they even get to – usually it's they get to college and then they realize, i got to reshape my body, and then the strength coach fixes it. Blake put in that work. Like, Blake came in as a freshman saying, I'm starting as a freshman, right? Like, a lot of offensive linemen don't come to their name with that thought process. Blake did. And and, and so, yeah, it's close, Sean. I mean, it's close. I say Charles is a little bit more advanced physically. Blake had a little bit more – a little bit more upside, I'd say, as a pure tackle than Charles did coming out. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I look. I love this kid. I always loved him. I was kind of there before you and Ryan. Mm-hmm. As a tackle, as a as well, Ryan. Ryan didn't like him as a tackle. Yeah. 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 But the flexibility, and we talked about this, the flexibility that Harry Eastman is going to have. <laughs> But the talent he has coming in, and and more than that, they're physically like you don't have to get them up to speed physically to be able to compete. Right. You know they might not start, 
But the thing that they're going to have to be, the thing that's most important for the classes coming in is going to be coaching technique, coaching technique rather than putting weight on them and getting them physical enough or big enough to play. Notre Dame has some pretty big, like we were talking about it. You go watch a practice. Ty Chan is a big, that's a big dude. Yeah. That's a big They dude. got some monsters. And Emil Wagner's not big now, but that cat is as long as anybody they have. Yeah. I mean, his his arm length, Sean, is insane. Billy, and they make Billy Strouth look small. Billy Strouth's like 6'4, 300 plus pounds. And they make him look yeah. small. Standing next to Ty Chan and and Blake Fisher and Joe. Joe Waltz got grown at least an inch and a half, I think, since he got the Notre Dame. He's so freaking huge. And he's got a lot of room to get better. That's the scary part. That's really the scary part. All right. Let's get to some more because we got to get out of here, Sean, because there's a six o'clock uh, IB Nation Sports Talk show coming up here a little bit. Zach uh, Filippi, Brian, do you think he can start as a freshman? Uh, this is refer- referring to, to, I think, Kenny Minchie. Um, Kenny, I mean, if he had to, sure. But I, I think this is more of – and now we can say this, Sean – Getting yeah. a kid like Kenny Minchie means there's less pressure for you. This is who we were talking about. There's less pressure to get a co- a portal guy that's got multiple years left now mm-hmm. that you've got Kenny Minchie. Because I don't yeah. know if I'm ready to start Kenny as a freshman. Right. But I'm definitely ready to let him battle as a sophomore. Like, I, you, you know, I just mm, – like, you're going to have Buckner, hopefully Pine, and Angeli all kind of there if the portal guy wins the job. Right. You'd think at least one or two of them are still on the roster to be that next guy. I don't know if I'd be ready to put Kenny there yet. I want to give him a year, especially since he only played yeah. six games his senior year. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd want to give him a little bit of time. But uh, but the advantage he does have an advantage as an early enrollee to get in the book, mm-hmm. get ready. So by the time he hits spring ball, and by the time he hits fall. Mentally, he still has some growth, but he should be able to handle the majority of the playbook by the time he gets to fall camp. And so you just want him to be ready if he's needed at that point. Because once again, we I expect Tyler Buckner to come back, be healthy, and more than likely, if there's a quarterback battle, probably win it unless they bring in somebody from the outside that beats him. Yeah. Because I think he's, my personal opinion, the best quarterback on the roster. Most talented, for sure. And if yeah. it's going to be somebody that's going to beat him out, if Tyler plays his game, it's going to have to be a Devin Leary, uh, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, somebody like that, in yeah. my opinion. So, all right. Let's see here. We've got a couple of super chats here from J.P. Bulesfeld. Do you agree? Oh, we actually got that one. I'm sorry, J.P. We got one here from Gillig. And he says, uh, if Minchie doesn't work out, thoughts on pulling Lincoln Kineholtz from Washington, go Irish. I don't see that one. That's not a name that I've been told. And, and honestly, if you're a quarterback committed to Washington, what in in your isn't he? Where's he? He's a Washington kid, right? South Dakota. Why in the world would you not want to go to Washington? It, it, you know what I mean, Sean? Like their yeah. lowest passing output of the season was 298 yards against Oregon State. And by the way, that that Oregon State team so uh, Michael Penix had went 30 of 52 for 298 yards and a touchdown against Oregon State. Just yeah. to put into context the kind of pass defense Oregon State has this year. 
Oregon State has given up nine passing touchdowns all season and 12 picks. Yeah. Caleb Williams went 17 of 29 for 167 yards. And oh, I'm sorry, that's the offense. Sorry. Caleb Williams went 16 of 36 for 180 yards, a touchdown, and a touchdown against Oregon State. Just to put into context the kind of pass defense that they have, um, they're pretty good. So uh, I, I don't know why you'd want to not go to Washington if you're a West Coast kid that's already committed there and they still want you. So, um, yeah, but it like you said, we, we feel confident it's going to work out with him. Yep. Matt, last is, is Menchie a five-star if he isn't in the 2023 class? No, because I don't think – look, here's my – for me, I can't speak for the services, Sean. For me, you're a five-star or you're not. I mean, if the, if there's a year where there's no five-star grades – but you're the number one quarterback, you're still not a five-star. You're right. not a five-star just because you happen to be the best player at this yeah, position in this particular yeah. year, yeah. or I cap my number of five-stars at seven at that position. If there's 15 five-stars in a class, then there's 15 five-stars in a class at a position I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, Your grade is your grade no matter what, in my opinion. right? This isn't like the NFL draft where you're the number one pick and you're getting that salary no matter – whether you are this as good as last year's number one pick or not, you're still getting the you're still getting the number one pick salary. It's not the same thing. So I don't care what year he is in, Matt. For me, he's not a five star kid. He's a top one hundred to one fifty kind of kid, in my opinion. Uh, and and to me, close to the top hundred. Like I said, I had I I advocated for him being a top hundred guy for SI ninety nine, and I advocated yeah. for like thirty seconds. And John Garcia was like, "Yeah, it's done," because I like him that way as well, yeah. you know. But uh, he's not five star. Maybe right. if he was like three inches taller and a little bit more armed talent, you know, sure. But I'm pretty picky when it comes to five stars, in my opinion, for current grades. You basically want him, to, want him to be Trevor Lawrence. Like I, mean, I mean, but like, it's kind of like, shouldn't there be like a high standard for that though, right? You know what I mean? Like, you start, start handing out five stars like they're Skittles. You know what I mean? Like, there should be a difference between a kid who's a five star and a kid who's really good, but not, you know, like, and that's kind of like, there's, that's, I guess. that's my thing. I guess. Like, I would, used to give like 55 stars a year, no matter what, yeah. the top 50 guys are going to be five stars. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't mean that, you know what I mean? Like, mm, it's not yeah. how it should work, in my opinion. What were you going to say, Sean? What are your thoughts on that? No, it goes back to, I'm sure. And your evaluation or the evaluations we put out as we get closer to signing day, look, you'll see there's plenty of five-star upside in this class. Sure. Plenty. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's different for us, Sean, because we do right. the current grade and the upside grade. Yeah. Uh, if Actually, just real quick, I'll just quickly pull it up as, as we work through this, Sean. But I have – let me pull up my recruiting page at, I, SI, at irishbreakdown.com, go to the – commits board and on offense I have and this is just based off junior film so this doesn't even include what am I seeing is some senior film there's three kids in the in the current class on offense that have five star upside grades Jagasaw, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse uh-huh. and then defensively there are let me pull this up here five Peyton Bowen, Micah Bell, Boobacar Traore, Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury are the five that I have that with five star upside on, on defense. That's eight guys that I gave five star upside grades to. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 
Next question. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sean Higgins, do you you still expect to go to the portal this offseason? Absolutely. The goal has always been, Sean, to land a quarterback in 23 and a portal kid. It's always been the yeah. goal. Yeah. Here's an here's a Sean, this is what I wanted to this is one that I started because I wanted to ask you this. Somebody said, why not Jackson Arnold? So let's just take away the fact that Jackson Arnold wasn't really interested in flipping. Let's have this conversation right now because you know where I stand on this, and I'm curious as where you stand on this. If you had a chance to – and I have said this multiple times, so this isn't me just saying this now because we think Notre Dame's going to get this kid. I've said this for a while. If you had a chance to get Jackson Arnold or Kenny Minchie, I'm going with Kenny Minchie. Who would you go with? Because it's Notre Dame and because of the system, I go with Kenny Minchie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jackson, look, man, to be honest, amongst the Notre Dame fan base, when Jackson Arnold reportedly won the Elite 11, that's when people really fell in love with him. Before that, nobody was really talking about Jackson Arnold. Nobody was talking about him. And then all of a sudden he jumped up and it's like, you, you talk to John Garcia, who was there, you'll get one thing. You talk to Malik, and Malik is like, I I don't know how they figured he won. Because Malik thought yeah, Dante. John Garcia, yeah, John Garcia. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Malik thought Dante had the best week. You know, well, that's, who, that's who SI All American named as the best quarterback there. Absolutely. John said Dante. And, and he yeah. also, that, and the Elite 11 is a big reason why John boosted Kenny Minchin in the top 100. Because SI ninety nine had him ranked eightieth overall mm-hmm. in the country, and and it's because and that's why they ranked Dante Moore as the number one overall player in the country was because his film was really good, but he was the yeah. best there. I, I don't know what the people who named him like what it was. It was the elite eleven people that named Jackson Arnold the, the MVP, right, Sean? Yeah, yeah. Which was weird because like I don't know if he was like ever the top the guy there on a, on a day. Never, like, never heard anything from anybody saying. Right. Go ahead. He was never the MVP of the day. Right. But when he got to the end of the process, he ended up being the overall MVP. So it was a strange process, and multiple people that I've spoken to had other quarterbacks that were there ranked high. Yeah. Based on what they saw. So, yep. Absolutely. You know, but like it goes back to the fact that, dude, huh? He's committed. They're not going after him unless he decommits. He didn't want to decommit. I I get that. My question was, if they were both willing to decommit and come, who would you take? No, no, I was just referring back to the question. Right. No, I took Kenny Mitchell. I got you. Yeah, I was just referring back to the question in general. Like he – right. But I wouldn't go after I wouldn't go after him anyway. I'm I'm look, I'm not a you you know this. I could be completely dead wrong. I'm just I've never been on the Jackson Arnold bandwagon. I think he's a really good oh, high school yeah. quarterback who has great talent around him and plays in a very comparable system. And his game tape has never been as impressive as highlight tape. It's like somebody somebody sent me film of a kid, the kid that's committed to Florida that decommitted from Penn State. The guy sent me his highlight tape and he's like, Man, this is really good highlight tape. I'm like, Yeah, he's got some really nice throws on there. So, but have mm-hmm. you ever looked at this kid's stats? He goes, no. Nah. I said, the kid's a 50% passer, and he's got more interceptions than touchdowns. 
So his highlight tape doesn't look like that. What would you want him to put on his highlight tape? A bunch of interceptions? Right. Like, this is why you got to watch game film. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. because anybody can look good on highlight tapes. Right. You know, um, when I cut up my uh, my first year as a starting quarterback in college, when I cut up my highlight tapes, when we played Shawan, I darn sure had a couple really nice bootleg throws. I darn sure threw, had the game when he touchdown pass with less than a minute on there. You know that. You know what I didn't have on there? That my first pass hit the linebacker right in the freaking chest. I didn't put that on my highlight tape. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's a highlight tape. So that's why you got to watch game film. I just have never been super impressed with the projection of. And now, if I'm running a high school yeah. team, I'd love to have Jackson Arnold as my high school quarterback. Yeah. It just he's not he's not he doesn't yeah. project that way in my opinion. But no, you pointed something out. You pointed something out that a lot of people overlook. Week in, week out, as a quarterback. He has more talent than everybody around him. Yes. Period. Yes. And and I don't see the the playmaking that I saw from Cade Klubnik, Klubnik, who also had great talent around him. But you could see Cade like making like doing things that would project to the next level. Really, right. like just some of the ball placement that kid had was insane. Right. You know, and 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 it was just like okay, so. It's not that I'm holding it against him. It's just I can look at it and say, yeah, that throw doesn't translate to the next level. He made that throw because he's the team he played isn't isn't any good. And that's just kind of, you know, just kind of where I'm at, Sean, yeah. on that one. Uh, G-Man 3413, any hope with Keon Keeley? We get asked this a lot. No, there isn't. Wish there was, but there isn't. Little uh, IXL R82, little off subject, but what's the latest with Peyton? I assume this is about Peyton Bowen. Uh, there is uh, really nothing new. I'm not talking about Peyton Bowen. Um, we will say um, boycott. I'm, I'm boycotting it. Okay. All good. I completely understand. I'm not talking There's about nothing it. that's changed. Uh, he's committed another name, and we have never been at any point in time been given any reason from any of our sources in any direction, not just another name, to think that he's actually considering decommitting. So until we have reason to believe that, we will. this is where we're at. Uh, Brian and Sean question, who are the freshmen from the 23 class coming in? You guys both see playing right away offensively and defensively. You guys talked a little bit about that in the show, Sean, right? Like we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks back, like who could come in and really, because we talked about Jagasaw possibly being on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, We talked about Jaden Greathouse probably coming in. And getting some run on the wide receiver on the back end. We think both defensive backs, because of the nature of the defensive back room and what we've seen with the guys that are young getting run early, we think both Michael Bell and Christian Gray can come in. Peyton Bowen, definitely. Adon Schuler, sneak. We both mm-hmm. sneaky. Yeah, we especially sneaky. if Brandon Joseph goes pro. Yeah. 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 So. So yeah. I'd say every receiver, Charles Jagasaw, Devin Houston, mm-hmm. Christian Gray, Micah Bell as special yeah. teams guys, especially Micah Bell, special teams guy, Peyton Bowen and Don Schuler for sure. And I'm going to say it. I heard you guys talking about it. Ben Minich is going to be very hard to keep off the field in some capacity. Yes. I had a buddy of mine who is an Ohio State fan, covers Ohio State, but he also does play-by-play for, like, different things. And he was doing it. He called me. We were talking last night. He was on his way home. He calls me. He goes, he goes Brian, I've been meaning to call and tell you this. This is a true story. 
Now, keep in mind, he has a teammate in high school, Ben Minnesota's name, Malik Hartford, who I love. I pushed for him to be a top 100 guy with SI-99. Love Malik Hartford. And he said, Brian, this is an Ohio State guy. Malik Hartford is committed to Ohio State. He mm-hmm. said, Brian, he goes, I can only speak for the game that I saw. He goes, but there was zero question. When I did that playoff game, I think it was Elder is who that Lakota West played. He goes, when I did that game, there was no question the best kid on the field for either team was Ben Minich. His senior film has been outstanding, Sean. Outstanding. Incredible. He's athletic. He's instinctive. This has got a chance. Like, the safety class was already really good before he committed. And when I got my ass a good depth piece, I wasn't sold on him. I I wasn't high on Ben Minich's junior film. I'm not going to lie. I said at the time, we'll see. What will we say? We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Boy, did they were they right on this one? He <laughs> is a dude, Sean. And now you got yeah. him, Bowen, and Schuler, and and you were yeah. trying to have an offense that has that or a defense that you'd like to be able to go three safeties at a time on the field, and you want to have a rotation, and you didn't really sign a safety last year. It was important to get that third guy. And I wasn't in love with the third guy they got before. I'm gonna be honest, but Ben Minich has made me a believer. Uh somebody asked if he's the next Harrison Smith. Very different players. Harrison was 6'2", 215, explosive. This kid is more smooth and fluid and like 5'11", and, you know, he's not a real big kid. Different players. He's a a football player, though. He's what people think Tommy Zibikowski was. What I mean by that is Tommy was a a football player. Tommy wasn't wasn't good in coverage, though. No, no. Tommy was a great football player. He just couldn't cover anybody. Mm-hmm. Ben Minich can be what Tommy was as a cover, what people think Tommy was as a cover guy. He just won't ever be the hitter Tommy was. Tommy so would have been play, a really playmaker. Good yes. Oh gosh, yes. But as a great playmaker, player. Tommy yeah. Tommy was a playmaker because he just he just was a football player. Yeah. He was a linebacker in a safety's body. If we're being honest, yeah. and that's why Rover was such would have been. That's a great observation, Sean. Yeah. But the kid just made football play, and and he made him in big games too. It wasn't just yeah. like. Did it against bad teams. He did it. I mean, look at the punt return against USC. It was huge. All right, last couple here. Uh, uh, Robin Dennis, Brian and Sean, do you feel Jaden Mickey is developing appropriately for his experience level? Yeah. It's just when he doesn't play well, it's obvious because he gets burned for a touchdown. But, you know. I, he, was, be- this is, I watched his father, Lamar Mickey. I don't know if you saw this. Hmm. I think his father – he retweeted something along the lines of Jaden was finally getting run at his position, meaning that he's not natural at playing the slot, which mm-hmm. has been most of his reps. And now he has been playing, uh, getting more reps on the outside. And that's where he like, yeah, yeah, and he felt like that's his natural position. Now he gets he, his tweet was now he gets to play his actual position. Let's roll. So, um, you know, as a true freshman coming in, being asked to play slot, that's you know. But like you said, his 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 mistakes have been, in my opinion, he just didn't run against right. the Navy. It was like they they, they were they were technical mistakes. Yeah. yeah, it was a technical mistake. Either he leveraged the wrong way or he just didn't open up and run fast enough like he did against right. So, yeah. 
So, Sean, let's get to the next one. Um, let's see here. All uh, right. Get to the next question. Okay. Give me a second. Oh, here we go. Robert Bishop, are you guys saying Kenny Minchie only because he's a realistic get for Notre Dame, though? Kenny, uh, Robert, I would never do that. Never do that. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And I've been saying this about him and Jackson Arnold for a while. Like, I could be yeah. dead wrong about Jackson Arnold, but oh, I've been saying yeah. this for a long time. I can vouch just for not, him. Yeah. Long not, time. When you initially said it, I was like, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, I just, I'm just not. I'm not. PGV with a, two super chats, and then he gave questions afterwards. So thank you for that. And he's got two questions. He goes, been following you folks for a while. And Sean, love you and Malik at Lucky Lefty. Just signed up. Here's my question. Do you feel if Notre Dame wins out, they can contend for a natty next year? I would say, Sean, I don't even think they need to win out to contend for a natty next yeah. year. They just have to keep developing as a program. Yeah. The roster will be what it will be. Um, it depends on PGV what happens at quarterback in the offseason. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it determines. It's going to be yeah. determined by that. It's yeah. going to be determined by that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. And then the next one is, he also had a follow-up. Building upon my last question, hoping that finishing the season strong can build the same momentum Lou Holtz talked about when he first, when his first year, 1986, beat USC to end the season, culture changing. Yes, but remember his first season, they beat USC and then went into next year and they started off really well, but they lost like what their last two or three yeah. of that year. It wasn't really until year three that they turned it around. Having said that, Lou Holtz also had a higher, a, a longer road to go than Coach Freeman did, does. But yeah. I think where, where PGV nails it, Sean, is there's a need for a culture change. And we're seeing that happen. It's not there yet. How long will that take? Will it take two off seasons in one season? Don't know. Will it need two seasons and three off se three off seasons and two seasons? Don't know. Uh, but the culture change is the is the big thing. It, it, it is. I just don't know if it'll happen in year two. But I'll say this: if they can get a if they get the quarterback position figured out, whether that's Tyler Buckner reaching his full potential or a portal guy. Uh -huh. I think this team's got a chance to be really good next year. I, I look at this team. If the if the same thing was true, if the quarterback position, Tyler Buckner doesn't get hurt, and he is the quarterback we think he should have been, and the O line, then you know whatever. This team is eight and two, and we're fired up, and we're thinking, boy, this team could be really good. So if it's either Buckner or a portal guy, whoever it is, because you've got to have legitimate concerns about Tyler Buckner now's ability to stay healthy and just more loss of development time because he didn't play. Those are things you have to you have to take into consideration and get a legit portal guy. And if Tyler beats that guy out, great, yeah. great. But if he doesn't, then you've got a guy that can go lead you because the rest of the team is in a good position, John. It really is. And Ohio State's going to have some big losses this offseason. Clemson's going to have some big losses this offseason. Georgia's going to, again, have some big losses this offseason. They're going to be a major question mark to quarterback next year. Bama's going to have some big losses this offseason. So it's going to be a year that you want to be good because it's going to be a year where you could maybe make a run. There's no doubt yeah. about it. So I'm looking forward to it. And so that is going to do it, I believe. I don't think we have had any other Super Chats pop up here. So I think that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank everybody for joining today's show. It was a, a long one, but a good one. We got the news out. Kenny Minchie is decommitted from Pitt. He will be visiting Notre Dame this weekend. So I uh, just want to thank you all for joining us. Remember, hit that like button, hit that notification bell, share this podcast, subscribe to the channel, 
24 minutes, the IB Nation Sports Talk Show is going to go live. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, we are going to have our Upon Further Review show. So Vince and I will have an Upon Further Review show tonight at 8 o'clock where we will talk about the Nerdim offense and its performance against Navy. So for the rest of the IB crew, we want to thank you all for being with us, and we will talk to you again very, very soon.